And I'd just like to read uh, two verses here. And once we read them, we're not going to return to Psalms. We're going to go to Jeremiah. But just something to just uh, consider that's clearly laid out here. Psalm chapter number 52. I'm going to read verse uh, 1 and then verse number 7. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 1, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Isn't that wonderful? It just keeps on going. It just, it, 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 praise the Lord. That, now look at verse number 7. And I know doctrinally this whole chapter is aimed at the Antichrist, but it says here, Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So here's kind of somebody that said, I don't need the goodness of God. I'm going to trust in what I have. And, and, uh, and he missed out. And um, with that, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, uh, this is, again, I, I'm, I'm honored to be able to stand here and, and uh, say some things from this pulpit and um, Father, I put some words on some paper, and uh, you, you and I both know they're just words unless you do something with them, Lord, and use them for your glory. And I pray they'll be used for your glory, and pray you'd uh, open hearts here that if, uh, if something is, is said that, that you want heard or, or a heart affected, Lord, that your, your will be done, that person or in mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, okay, now, now with having said, read that, that the goodness of God endureth continually, and there's some people that just don't, they don't, they don't take advantage of that. They miss out on it because they think, you know, uh, uh, other things more important. Turn to Jeremiah. We'll spend most of the <coughs> evening here in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, um, I, I guess, uh, in Jeremiah 25, um, you know, Jeremiah was, uh, he had a ministry, it was over 40 years long, and Jeremiah's uh, ministry, it, it included, it was under the reigns of five different kings. It started with uh, Josiah, and it ended with Zedekiah, and, and he, he seen the ups and downs, and at the end of his ministry, Jerusalem was finished. Zedekiah was done. The city was burned. And that thing until, uh, you know, Nehemiah and Ezra came back, it was just desolate. And um, I want you to know, because of sin, uh, take a look there in, in Jeremiah chapter 25. Uh, here's the Lord uh, warning these people. Verse number 5. It says, uh, they, they said, uh, that's uh, the prophets warned uh, Jerusalem, turn ye again now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings and dwell in the land the Lord hath given you. Um, and look, verse number six, go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them, provoke me to anger. Uh, verse number seven, ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord. And look at verse number nine. It says, behold, I will send, this is God speaking, I will send and take all the families of the north, and speaking of the Babylonians, Chaldeans, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, and against the inhabitants thereof, and against all these nations round about, and will utterly destroy them. Um, I, just so you understand, God used the likes of Nebuchadnezzar to correct Jerusalem, correct Judah. Because they were, they, they were in sin, they had no interest in God, 
And, um, and, and now we're done with that. Let's go to chapter 37. We're going to kind of jump all over the place in Jeremiah here. Uh, take a look there in, in chapter 37. One time Zedekiah, and this is the last king, he calls in Jeremiah and he says, man, you got to pray for us, which is an admirable thing. Anybody says, can you pray for me? We're on, on better ground than just how's it going. That, that, this, is, this is a man who seemingly is interested in, in uh, help from God. Look at there in chapter uh, 37, verse number 3. Uh, it says, and Zedekiah the king sent Jucal, the son of Shalmiah, and Zephaniah, and the son of Masiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah. So these guys go to Jeremiah, saying, this is the message, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. And so it's, it sounds good. Would you pray for us? Amen. That's a, that's a good request. And um, you know what? Some time passed, and, and uh, there's no change in anybody. And then uh, look there in verse number 17. Jeremiah has been in jail. Now he's been out of jail. Verse 17. Then it says, Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him, that's Jeremiah, out of the prison. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? <laughs> and it sounds so good. Just, I just want God. I just want God to help us. And Jeremiah's answer, it says, And Jeremiah said, There is. And I can just imagine him saying, Great. For said he, thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Well, that's, you know, he didn't really want to hear that, but it was kind of good that he asked. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, years have passed now. That, uh, Zedekiah has been king. And, uh, and now take a look there in chapter number uh, 38. Chapter 38 and verse number uh, 14. Here the king asks uh, uh, another request. Verse number 14, 38, 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from me. This, again, this sounds pretty good. I just want to hear the whole counsel of God. I don't want you to mince words. Tell me. And, uh, and Jeremiah says, you know what, if, if, if I do that, you're probably going to put me to death or you're going to turn me over to the princes and they're, they're going to kill me. And verse number 16, it says, So Zedekiah, the king, swears secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither I will give thee into thy hand, the hand of these men that seek thy life. And so Jeremiah says, okay. I'll give you the goods. I'm going to tell you what you just asked me. You said, listen, uh, you, you, you want to hear from God? I'll tell you what God said. Verse number 17. Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou, now he's going to give them two options. Here's the first option. If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, that's the enemy, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire. And thou shalt live, and thine house. So option number one is, king, if you just give up, you're going to save yourself, you're going to save the city, you're going to save the family. Sounds like a good deal. It, 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 I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good pitch. You want to save the whole kit and caboodle, just give up. Here's option number two, verse 18. But... If thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, 
then, then shall this city be given into the hands of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. Option number two. You want to hold on to everything? You want to stay in the city? You're going to lose your life. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose the city. Those are the two good. That's, that, it's pretty clear, right? It's just there's no middle ground. You either give up and save everything or hold on to it all and lose it all. That, now, I know this isn't a very good type. And, you know, I'm not preaching on this, but does that not remind you of the Lord? He said four times in the gospel, some a variation, but he said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That, that's, that's, if, if, if you hold on to everything and say, no, 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 I've worked for this. No, no, this is, I'm not going to step any farther for you. I'm just going to, you've wasted your life. If you just throw up your hands and say, God, whatever pleases you, you can take it all. You're going to save your life. It, it's the, two options. It's kind of, I know, again, t not quite the ideal type because guys going to uh, surrender to an enemy nation. Uh, but nonetheless, he's given these two, two options. You would think that the right decision would be option A. Give up, save the city, save yourself, save your family. That would be the shoe one. Do you know he doesn't take that option? He takes this one. So he loses the city, he loses his family, he loses his freedom. Uh, now, you know what his reason was for opting for this option? It's, it's actually silly, but, but take a look at it. Verse number 19. And Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they mock me. Is that crazy? It, it's not, they're not going to torture me. They're, not gonna, they're just going to laugh at me. So because of that, I'm going to lose my freedom, my family. The whole city is going to be burned because I don't want anybody to mock me. That, that, it, it, it just goes against reason. But before we get too critical of that man with that decision, do you know how many people have heard the gospel? They've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. They recognize it's nothing to do with what they can do to get to heaven. It's only putting their faith in Christ. But they're thinking of their family, they're thinking of their buddies at work, and they're thinking, you know what, I think I'll just hold off because I'm afraid somebody's going to mock me. That's, that is sad. You know what's even worse than that? Is there are Christians, they believe the Bible, they know it's true, they know that Jesus said, you know, if you, if you uh, lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. If you save, save it, you're going to lose it. And they say, well... The problem is, if I show up at work, I start telling people about Jesus, if I start telling my neighbors and family, uh, they're going to laugh at me. Same thing. So we can't really be that critical of this king. He, 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 <laughs> it's it, as sad as it is, but looking at it from this perspective, it's, that's crazy. Well, eventually the king tries to escape. He makes a run for it. Uh, look there in chapter 39. Uh, in verse number uh, one, it says, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. Uh, it, 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 so Zedekiah, he makes, uh, he makes a run for it. Uh, 
the, the, the Chaldeans catch him out there in the plains of Jericho and look there in chapter 39, verse 6. It says, Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his eyes. So they, right in front of this man, his children were killed. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. Uh, that is a sad, a sad commentary of the end of a man, end of the city, end of a reign. Uh, and I, I, I don't know how, you know, I, and I often say this, and I, and I mean it. I, I don't know how everybody reads the Bible. I read, I'm kind of slow. <laughs> I, I'm reading Romans now. And, and I know, and I'm saying, Lord, probably everybody understands all the book of Romans, but I don't. I'm reading some verses in there, and I'm going, Psh. I don't know, Lord, I'm, you know, I, I know it's there. I'm not questioning it. I just don't understand it. And, and I'm, sometimes I go back over and I go, Lord, I've read it again. And I'm, it's not that I'm sleeping. I just don't grasp that. And I'm reading this here. And I, I, I'm reading over it. And every time I read over it, it's, it's, you can't miss the, the tragedy of what took place to this man, his sons, his, the city. And, and I think to myself, th this this, if you, if you looked on a map where, where Jerusalem is, here's the map. Pastor really ought to get a map and put it here because he's always good. It's just so much easier. <laughs> mark or mark. So if Jerusalem was here, uh, Babylon is, if you went by the way the crow flies, it's 500 miles. But that's all desert here. If you went the way Abraham came from Ur, it'd be a lot longer. But it's 500 miles, the shortest route. This man, he, he can't see anymore. He can probably smell the smoke. He can probably hear the screams. He can probably hear moaning of people that are wounded and dying. He can hear the victorious chants of the Chaldeans. He's walking 500 miles to another city. And I, I have no doubt in my mind he's thinking of his children. The last thing he sees before he loses his sight. I have no doubt in my mind that he's thinking of the city and all the grandeur of that Jerusalem, the likes of David, the likes of Solomon, Uzzah, Josiah, Hezekiah, great kings when that city was in its heyday. And this man is leaving a city of ruins behind him, tragedy, heartache. You know, of all the things he's thinking of, you know what I think he thought of, he dwelt on? Why in the world didn't I take that man of God seriously? Why didn't I just, he gave me the option. I could have saved it all. He can't see the hills. He doesn't, he can't look and go, well, it's only this far, and then I'll start going down. He can't see the valleys. He can't see obstacles in his road all the way back. He's pondering why. And, I, I, and you know, I want to preach this message. It's, it's called, you, um, do you mean business with God? Do you mean business? Um, this, this, again, it's, it's a tragedy. Um, so the city is taken. He's gone. Now all that's left in this city is a group of people. They've taken the captives to Babylon. They've killed all the nobles, all the soldiers, everybody of any substance that had some pull or influence in this city. They're dead or taken captive. The only people are the poor. There's just a remnant, just a small group of people that are, that are still hanging around. 
So the king of Babylon, he takes one man by the name of Gedaliah, and he says, you're going to be the governor of this area. You're, you're, you're going to report to me. And all the, none of these people are a threat to the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. And he puts uh, Gedaliah in charge. And Jeremiah, he's, he's, he's got no one to preach to but these people, so he turns to them. And now look at chapter number, chapter number 40. Chapter number 40 and verse number... Uh, uh, 6. It says, chapter 40, verse 6 says, Then went Jeremiah unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mitzvah, and dwelt with him among the people that were left in the land. Now when all the captains in the forces which were in the fields, even they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, governor of the land, and had committed unto him men and women and children, and of the poor and of the land, and of them that were not carried away captive to Babylon, then they came to Gedaliah in Mitzvah. So this, this man, Gedaliah, he's now in charge. And, um, and with this, it, there's a little bit of a dark cloud that shows up if there's not darker than a remnant of only survivors of this uh, uh, tragedy here. Uh, look in verse number 13, chapter 40, verse 13. Moreover, Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to Gedaliah to Mitzvah, and said unto him, Dost thou not certainly know that Baalus, the king of the Ammonites, had sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to slay thee? And what does Gedaliah say? But Gedaliah, the son of Achim, believed them not. So he's warned. He, listen, listen. You're going to get killed. There's an assassin can't come here from the Ammonites. His job is to kill you, Gedaliah. And Gedaliah says, ah, it's not, don't worry about it. So one of the guys says, listen, I'll kill, I'll kill Ishmael, this guy's trying, his job is to kill you. I will take care of it so you can keep leading this remnant. Well, look at Gedaliah's answer in verse 16. But Gedaliah, the son of Hickam, said unto Johanan, the man that volunteered to kill Ishmael, the son of Kirish, thou shalt not do this thing, for thou speakest falsely of Ishmael. Okay, he had the warning. He had the warning. Well, was it was worth paying attention to. Look at chapter number uh, 41. It says, Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniel, the son of Elishamah, of the seed royal, and the prince of the king, king, even ten men with him, came unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, to Mitzpah, and there they did eat bread together in Mitzpah. Then arose uh, Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the ten men that were with him, and smote Gedaliah. They kill him. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. They're sitting around eating. And maybe somewhere in there, Gedaliah recognizes that these are all strangers that came out of Ammonite territory. And maybe he's thinking, hmm, I'm sure that, that, that Ishmael's not going to kill me. And maybe he said, uh, excuse me, guys, I'll be right back. And somebody blocked his way. And then he started thinking, uh-oh, I think they're serious. And maybe he's thinking, ah, uh, and his heart starts pumping, and he's thinking, oh, I, I, I'm, listen, listen, I gotta be, I'll be right back. And he tries to go another way, and somebody blocks his way. And I'm assuming they killed him with a sword. I don't know when they killed him. Was, did he put up a fight? We don't know. But I wonder, and somewhere in that brief skirmish, if he wasn't thinking, why didn't I just heed the warning? Somebody told me, and I said, no, it's going to be okay. No different than Zedekiah. He was given, listen, this is what's going to happen. Here's a choice. Gedaliah is told, listen, you need to take care. No, no, it's okay. Didn't pay attention. You know, 
I wonder, when, when you read your Bible, does, do you ever read it where something in a spiritual way jumps out and grabs you by the throat and just shakes you and says, look at this, and you read it over again and you go, wow. Maybe, you know, you're dabbling in something and you shouldn't be in your, and, and you're reading and you go, oh, it's just coincidence I happen to be reading this particular part of the Bible. That, that's got to be a coincidence. And that book just reads you. And does, does that ever happen when, when you read the Bible? Do you, ever, do you ever have somebody preach and you're, and I know nobody else does this but me, and I'll be maybe doing something and I, I, it's sin or it's dabbling, it's getting close. And the preacher will say something just off the cuff, like just maybe even just during the announcement, something. And, and, and I, it's once in a while, it was, it's like somebody just threw a dagger at me. And I'm going, oh my goodness. And I'll, I'll kind of go like this. So nobody sees me swallowing. And I try to look like deep on like everything's just fine and there's no, no, everything. And, but sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes it's just... Show up in church, just routine, and the preacher has labored all week to get a message together, and he preaches, and I'm just trying to be just, hey man, I'm in church, and dirty the end, out the door, gone, and that's, that took care of that. And then I get up in the morning, breakfast, go to work, come home, have a nap, get up and eat. After, then I try to look busy doing nothing, then I go to sleep and I get up and <laughs> just a routine, mundane, human nature, just going through this thing and that old song way back, 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. See, all the people over 60, we all understand that. <laughs> that and you know, it's just routine, just going through it. And somewhere in there, God is waving a flag saying, would you look, would you listen, would you wake up and pay attention that this is for you? I'm trying, and like Zedekiah, like Gedaliah, just carry on. And then when the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the boom falls, we look back and go, why didn't I just listen to that? Why didn't I just pay attention? Well, I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you three ways to render God's message ineffective. We're going to look at some other people. And these people, they, 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 they used all three of these things. And so I'm, I'm just trying to, in a reverse manner, trying to warn you that if God's trying to get a hold of you, maybe it's a special song or it's a hymn, maybe you've been praying all week for something, and, and maybe you've even asked somebody, would you pray for me? And... and and then somewhere right in the hymn or a special song, God answers that prayer and you get direction and you say, praise the Lord, because you caught it. You didn't just flippantly go, oh, we're just singing. So, and, uh, but if you don't want to catch it, here's, here's the way to do it. Here's the way to get around it. Okay, so Gedaliah is now dead. Zedekiah is gone. There's still this remnant. They come to uh, Jeremiah and, uh, and look at, here we go. Chapter 42, chapter 42, verse number 1. Then all the captains of the forces, Johanan the son of Korea, and it mentions these people in this remnant. It says in verse 2, chapter 42, verse 2, And said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. 
that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Do you understand? This is another, just like Zedekiah, except this, is, this has got to be sincere. These people are saying, listen, we are just a few, this is all that's left. Unlike Zedekiah, unlike Gedaliah, we want to hear from God and we want to do the right thing. And they go on and Jeremiah in verse 4 says, I'll tell you, I'll give the whole goods to you, man. I'll, I'll lay it right out there. In verse number 5 it says, and then they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not, even according to all the things for which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And they, they said, listen, we will do whatever you tell us to do. If you're speaking, you talk to God, you tell us. Well, came to pass, verse 7, after 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and, and so here's the answer. Here's the answer. Look in verse number uh, 10. Here's the answer. It says, If ye will still abide in this land, then I will build you up. Look in verse number 11. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Look at verse 13. Here's the other option. But if you say we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord our God, saying, no, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we see no war. And they go on, the Lord says, a little while later, he says, everything you're afraid of here, I'm going to bring it past if you go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Look in verse 19. Uh, Jeremiah is still speaking the answer from God. Verse 19, the Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Isn't that simple? That's like, like Adam and Eve. Don't touch the tree. So simple. Just don't do it. It's, it's no, not confusing. Don't touch it. Well, here's the first way to render God's message ineffective. Uh, take a look there in, in chapter 41. Chapter 41. Now, okay, I'm not saying this to be a smart aleck. I'm not questioning anybody's uh, knowledge of numbers. But we read the request in chapter 42, where they come to Jeremiah and say, listen, you've got to pray. Whatever he says, we're with you. We're going to read 41. Is 41 before or after 42? That's before. Okay, okay just, just so we're together. So in 41, let's see what they're up to. Look at verse number, chapter 41, verse 17. After Gedaliah is killed, this is the remnant. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Shemham, which is by Bethlehem, to go to enter into Egypt. You know the first way you render God's message ineffective? You already decide what you're going to do. You show up in church, you got the car packed, this is what we're doing. Right after the service, we're going to Egypt. And the preacher stands there and preaches against Egypt, and you go, well, you preach whatever you want, the car is packed. You know what these people? They had the car packed. It was ready to go. And, uh, and you know, this happens to good people too. Good people with good intentions determine, I'm already going this direction. I, it doesn't matter who says what. I, this is the plan. And, um, uh, okay, we're going to come back here, but take a look there in Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. That apostle Paul, what a great man. He goes out on three missionary journeys, and he just... <laughs> He just labors, and he's in the will of God, and he goes and goes and goes. But he decides, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I mean, he said, I've got this in the book of Romans, he said, I wish I was accursed. That is, I wish I'd 
could get out of being saved and go to hell if it meant that the Jewish people would get saved. That's how much he loved them. And God said, uh, uh, well, my plan isn't that for you to do that, to, to go up to Jerusalem. You say, how do you figure that? Look in chapter, Acts chapter 21. They, they, they come back from third missionary journey. Uh, verse number two. And finding a ship sailing over into Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left them on the left hand. We sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was done later burdened. So the ship stops at Tyre. And, uh, and verse number four says, And finding disciples, so these were believers, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit, notice capital S, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine this? Uh, can you imagine being in a revival and a camp meeting? And, uh, and, just, and, and I know this isn't in the Bible, but just, just um, try it out so you get this truth. Suppose Paul is sitting here, and there's a revival for seven days. And the first preacher stands up, and he says, uh, he says now, you know, I want you to, to know... Uh, uh, if you're in the will of God, you need, to, you need to stay going there. And you know what? God has the ability once in a while to change directions of people. And maybe I'm talking to somebody right here. And it said these people were the spirit. They're, they're, how did that thing word that in verse number four? It said, find the disciples there who said to Paul through the spirit. So these people were walking with God. These people are, they're, they're, when they talk, they're speaking what, just like Jeremiah, what God said to them. And they're saying... And the guy says, you know, you, I'm telling you, if God changes your mind about something, maybe you're determined to go a certain direction, but I'm telling you, wherever you're thinking, you need to be open for God to change your mind. And Paul's thinking, I'm, I got the car packed. I'm going to Jerusalem. I have no, this is what I'm doing. Another guy stands up there and says, now, brother, uh, so-and-so, we got two more days revival left. And the other guy stands up. And he says, uh, well, turn over there to Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And everybody turns to Matthew 2. And he says, and to speaking to these wise men, he says, now being warned of God in a dream that they should not uh, return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And you know what? Maybe I'm talking to somebody here, and you're determined to go a certain way. God's ringing your bell, buddy. You need to turn your direction and go. And Paul's sitting there thinking, yeah, when I get up, I'm going to fuel up here, and then I get there, that'll get me enough to get into Jerusalem. And he's going. He's decided I'm going. Um, now, uh, did you ever talk to somebody, and you, uh, and you might not tell them this, you might tell somebody else, and the statement will be, no use telling them, they're not going to listen anyhow. Now, take a look at, uh, uh, after this, this other man, they get down to Caesarea, and another man shows up, and he, he takes Paul's coat, girdle, and, and he says, guy going up to Jerusalem, that's what's going to happen. And, uh, and, and everybody is now weeping and they're saying, come on, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Verse number 13, Acts 21, 13. Then Paul answered, what mean you to weep and to break mine heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He's, I mean, this is good intention. He loves these people. It's not like he's trying to go to Egypt. He's just, he just wants to go. But, but those fellows in the spirit said, don't go. Verse 14, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. How come you're not saying the will of the Lord be done? Because it's not being done. That's why. Why tell him? He's going anyhow. Um, and, and I know, I know that it, it sounds really, it sound, makes for good preaching to say, listen, if Paul hadn't, a, if he hadn't went to Jerusalem, then he wouldn't have got arrested. And if he hadn't got arrested, he wouldn't be able to stand in front of Agrippa. He was a king, see? And God did tell 
Ananias, way back there in Acts chapter 9, he said, this man's a chosen vessel for me. He's going to preach, you know, to the, to the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. And, and if he didn't get up to Jerusalem, he couldn't get the king. That sounds good. Sounds real good preaching. But let me, let me ask you something. Remember when David was in sin? And that man, Nathan, shows up and he says, right, they're, ta- they're not talking. They're not in a prison. They're not in a courtroom. Nathan just says, listen, buddy. He tells him a little story about this, the sheep and, and all this stuff. And, and, and he drives the point home and he says, David, you're the man. You're guilty. And David, he gets right. And he says, yeah, you're right. I, I sinned against God. And, uh, and, and boy, it sure had some effect when Nathan was on the same level with, with David. Back there in the, I read years ago somewhere where where the English Empire, the British, the sun never set on the British Empire uh, when Victoria was ruling that thing, and the Queen, and one of those places the sun that the British Empire had was the nation of India, and that was before Pakistan, Bangladesh, they went their own way. But, but the English influence, and the, the, they, they ran India. And one day there was a revolt, and a bunch of the Indian people, they revolted and killed a bunch of British soldiers, and that was... Um, England's 9-11 back in the 1800s, it devastated England. It was the whole nation, when that news got back to England, that's what happened. They were appalled. Queen Victoria, she was, she didn't know what to do. But to her credit, she didn't have a news conference. She didn't go and check out other nations to see what other people thought. What should we do? And praise the Lord, there's no UN to go to. They didn't have to worry about none of that nonsense. You know what she did? She went down to a Baptist church in London where Charles Spurgeon was preaching. And she sat right there. And this man in his pulpit, he preached what God laid on his heart. And that woman and that nation got help from God. And I'm telling you that when somebody says, well, Paul had went up there. Oh, yeah, if he hadn't went, it had to. Listen, Paul stands in front of Agrippa and he says this. Agrippa says, you know, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul says this. He said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that them that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I. He said, listen, I wish all you guys were just like me. And he's, and, I mean, if you all got saved, you'd, understand, you'd have freedom and victory in Jesus, and you could be going to heaven. And, you can... and then he pauses, and he looks at his hands, and says, except, except for these bonds. Um... I wonder if, if when he looked down and went, man, if I wasn't in these manacles, maybe I could get to the king better. Uh, here we're in a courtroom, and the king is listening to a holy prisoner try to tell him about Jesus. Maybe if I was preaching in Caesarea, which is where he was, uh, when, when they appealed to him, don't, don't go to Jerusalem. Now he's in Caesarea again, except he's not outside. He's got... He's, he's in manacles. And I wonder if he didn't think, I should have listened to those. I should have listened to God. And I'm saying to you, you want to uh, render the preaching or the message of God ineffective, just decide beforehand, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, all right, that's the first way. Okay, back to Jeremiah 42. Back to Jeremiah 42. So here we're going to look at the second, second way. So chapter 42, they, they, they come to him and they, they, they say, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do. Here's, pray for us and whether it be good or bad, we're going to obey the word of God. Well, in chapter 43, look there in verse number 7. Chapter 43, Jeremiah 43, verse 7. So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. They, they, they didn't obey. 
Well, <clears throat> not only did they decided beforehand they're going to go. You know the second way to render the message of God ineffective? Look there in chapter 43 and verse number 1. After Jeremiah delivers the message to them, it says in Jeremiah 43, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, here's the response of the people. Then spake Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely, the Lord our God hath not sent thee uh, to say, Go not into Egypt, sojourn there. You know the second way to render a message or the preaching of God ineffective? Is to accuse the source of lying. Just, uh, he's lying. He's lying. That's, that's not, I mean, it's a common political uh, ploy today, and I think you see it down south now, where when, when a politician has you pinned to the mat, just turn the thing around and say he's lying. Accuse him of stuff. That'll do it. That'll, that'll work just as good as any. Yeah, and, uh, and that's what these fellows did. They turned around and they said, well, it, I mean, for them to say, yeah, you're right, Jeremiah, we shouldn't go, but we're going to disobey God, that didn't, wouldn't come out good. It's just so much easier to say you're lying. That's not true. I'm not listening to you. And uh, uh, the, the, Bible, the Bible says in Jer John 1, 1, 11, that, that about Jesus, he came unto his own, his own received him not. You know how the Jewish nation got around receiving what Christ did, that he was the Messiah? They got false witnesses up there, and they said the guy, he was lying. He was blaspheming. That, listen, if I stand in front of the Bible and say, I don't believe this word of God, that's blasphemy. If I say Jesus is not God, that's blasphemy. I'd be lying. That's not true. And these Jewish people, they accused Jesus of lying. You know how uh, uh, Jezebel got the land from Naboth for Ahab? Set up false witnesses and said, hey, that guy blasphemed. He was lying. He's a liar. It's just a common thing, and these people are no different. You want to render the word, the preaching of God, the singing of God, the Bible reading, all that stuff, render it ineffective? Just look at it and say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's not true. That'll do it. And get around that way. Either pack your bag and be ready to leave beforehand, and regardless of what somebody says, or just uh, shoot the messenger. Shoot the messenger and say he's lying. And... Uh, and I'm not saying folks are doing that here. I'm just saying that if you ever get in a situation where you determine, I'm going to Egypt, there are ways to get around paying attention to God. And one of them is just determine you're going regardless, and the other is shoot the guy that's telling you not to. Uh, okay, so they, uh, chapter number, uh, let's see, the third way, this is the last way here. Uh, chapter number 43, verse number, uh, verse number 7. Uh, it, it says they came into the land of Egypt. They, they got there. Now look at chapter number uh, 44. Jeremiah preaches, and he preaches against them and their false gods that they've been worshiping. Look at chapter 44 and verse number 15. It says, Then all the men, 44, 15, all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Do you know what's strange about this? They're now in Egypt. They're in the world. Yeah, I, I, th before, they were accusing the preacher of lying. Now that they've gone into the world, he could be telling the blatant truth. They knew it, but they clearly said, we're not interested in what you say. You know, I've noticed people go to the world. People go to the world when they're here, 
they're, they're, man, unless they face the truth and get right with God, they're going to do, they're going to either determine we're going anyhow, or they're going to shoot the messenger and say, no, it's got to be lying. No, he just took it out of context. No, it's not right. I don't believe that thing. Ron rendering the wrong way. Or, but once they get to the world, the mask comes off. Who are you kidding? I'm doing this anyhow. I don't care. I'm not interested in that. That's a, that's a pretty sad position to do. But nonetheless, they're there. And, uh, Verse 17, they go on to say, 44, 17, but we will certainly do whatsoever things go forth out of our own mouth to burn incest unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. As, look at the next words. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Do you realize these people are saying, yeah, we're in the world now, but you know what? When we were back here, in our land, we were in the sinning business anyhow. So, uh, you know, I talked to a preacher years ago. Actually, I wasn't talking. He was talking. He was preaching. And he said about a, uh, he said, we had a couple in our church a while. He said, and I preached to them. And he said, I, they were coming regularly. And then somewhere they just disappeared off the scene. And he said, you know what I found out later? They were living together. They weren't even married. And, 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 and it's like they're already living in sin so, of course, it's easy to go out that way. You know, these people, not only did they decide beforehand we're going anyhow, not only decided we're going to accuse the preacher of lying, but they were, already, they, they, were, they were already there in their heart. They were already here in their practice. And, so it was so, and I'm saying to you, you don't want to render the preaching, the Bible reading, the singing ineffective by using those three methods. Because it, it's... it's this is what happens. I, I got thinking, um, you know, we're reading about the city. Under, I'm, I'm going to be done in a couple minutes here. I, uh, the, the city was under siege. It, the, the, the Babylonians, they surrounded it. The Chaldeans, they, they couldn't get out, couldn't get out. Um, uh, this is, I'm going to end on a good note, believe it or not. Uh, th there's uh, this, this back there in, um, in World War II, there's a German army, not the entire German army, uh, platoon, company, battalion, blah, 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 blah. The army. Army is the biggest thing. They had 200,000 men in the 6th Army. And they, they came up to Stalingrad and they thought, we, we pretty well got Russia taken care of. And they didn't think Russia had the people or the means to do anything but surrender. And they figured, we got it. We got it made. The Russians brought people from Siberia, the vast country. They brought them all, and they cut off the supply line of this German army. 200,000 men cut off. They could no longer get supplies. Well, they held on for five months. Five months later, they went from 200,000, 91,000 men, less than half, were alive to surrender. And a lot less than that eventually survived captivity. And, uh, but they weren't completely finished when they're cut off because they, they had an airstrip and they were landing supplies. They were taken out wounded. And, uh, but they, they were cut off physically that way, but not the airstrip. Well, then, after a while, the airstrip, they couldn't land planes because they would get shot if they got too close to the ground. So they dropped supplies from above. And they're dropping supplies. And then they realized the Russians had got closer. So most of the supplies were falling into Russian hands. And if the planes got too low, they'd get shot down. The supplies from above were done. The Germans were done. They were finished. You know, you'd think a guy would learn. You'd think a nation would learn. A little over 10 years later, the French were, 
in what's now called Vietnam, was then called Indochina. And they were southwest uh, of Hanoi, way up north. And it was like one of these forts in America back when, you know, cowboys and Indians. They had, they called it an outpost, middle of nowhere. It was in a valley. And uh, they had, I think, over 12,000 men. And to show the, the, I guess, the immorality of the, the, the French officer that designed the, this plan, he named five artillery emplacements supported with infantry in this valley. He named them after mistresses that he had over the years. And he had, and he had these gun emplacements, and he had mountains all around. And the French general thinking was, we're impregnable. We got it. Nobody, nobody. The Vietnamese, the communists cannot beat us. If they get near those mountains, we'll shoot them down. You know what he didn't plan? He didn't, he, he underestimated the tenacity and the, uh, the, the drive of the Vietnamese communist soldiers. They lugged artillery pieces, piece by piece, into all those mountains, and it was like shooting ducks in, or fish in a barrel. The, the, North, or the, the French, they had, just like the Germans, they, were, they had an airstrip, then they couldn't drop anymore, they couldn't take out wounded. They were dropping supplies, and then they'd fall into Vietnamese hands. Then they were dropping from fire up, but they're getting shot down. And eventually, they appealed to the Americans for help. This place is called Yen Bien Phu. It was their Waterloo of the 20th century. And, uh, you know, eventually that, that thing fell, just like the Germans did. Now, now listen. Uh, Christianity, in the last few years, has come under siege. There are some things that in our day-to-day... Uh, four or five years ago, we thought they were engraved in stone. They'd never change. They've been completely turned upside down. And it's, it, it's, it's this, this world has just gotten so... We thought it was dark then. It was pretty light four or five years ago. And um, I think, um, example, the bumper stickers. I like bumper stickers. Got them. I think, they're, they're, I think it's a good way to advertise for Jesus. I, 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 when I'm in traffic and I see a bumper sticker... I'll drive to try to get close to somebody that, just to read it. Do you know there's some bumper stickers I see now that it wasn't that long ago, if you said what they say in the bumper stickers in a public school, in a public school, they would have washed your mouth out. And when your parents found out what you said, they, you, whether they're lost, no interest in God or not, it was immaterial. But now it's out there. And it just, it's so sad. And, uh, but you and I, unlike the Germans and the French, we always have supply from above. We're not cut off. And that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. The Bible says that every good gift and perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know what? God is not, he's not separated from us. We have that mystery. We have Christ in us. We have an indwelling Holy Spirit. It's not like we're going, oh, I guess we're done. No, we're not done. We're not done. And I say... Um, if, if while under siege you're being directed by God, whether it's through, uh, you know, you're reading the Bible or you're preaching or somebody singing, uh, don't, don't be like Hez, uh, uh, Zedekiah. Don't be like Gedaliah. If God's trying to get a hold of you, don't just turn it off. If God's trying to get a hold of your heart, again, we, we, we have this habit of just coming in and just going, well, okay, I'm fellowship, well, I'm going to rest home, get the phone, whatever it is. It just... Just be open to whatever God is trying to speak to you about. 
Don't, don't turn it off. Don't have the car packed. And turn it off. I'm going anyhow. Don't, don't look at the preacher and say, oh, you must have been following me around all week. I know he's picking on me. I know, I know what hell he's up to. No, no. listen, if, if there's some sin, some, you need to put that thing down. You need to repent, get the thing right. Um, the Bible says, I got this much from uh, reading Romans there the other day or this morning, whenever that was. But Paul said, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Now, uh, that that could run two ways. You you could whether you die, or whether you're alive when the rapture comes, uh, you're going to heaven. But whether you die in the world in Egypt, you're going to heaven if you're saved. Whether you die walking, well, you're you're, you're going to go. But you know what? You'd be better off living, not in Egypt, here, living for Jesus now, being open to what God wants to do. I wonder how many people now are in Egypt and they look back to the revivals, they look back to the camp meetings, to, to uh, Bible camp and all those influence they had where they made decisions and some way they look back and go, man, we could have still been back there living for Jesus, but here we are. We don't want to be that way. 